The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, as you've been hearing, sentencing is underway this hour for Matthew McKnight. He's the former Edmonton nightclub employee accused of sexually assaulting 13 women. He was convicted of sexually assaulting five of them. There had been numerous other complaints. The prosecution has asked for a sentence of 22 and a half years in prison, while McKnight's lawyer has suggested five to nine years. We will keep you updated on what the judge in the case hands down as soon as it's happened. Uh, During his trial, a court heard McKnight met most of the women in bars and assaulted them in his apartment. Several victims told court that they have had nightmares, thoughts of suicide, and anxiety since they were attacked. Our next guest is a sex assault survivor, and he is now sharing his story to give others strength and let them know that they are not alone. Neil Campbell, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jalen. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Your story goes back to when you were nine years old. Um, Can you um, share with us what you're comfortable in sharing about what happened to you when you were a young boy? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was nine years old, I was uh, sexually assaulted over the span of a year by one of my friend's uh, older brothers. Uh, So the assault went on for over a year. Uh, The trauma was so significant to myself is that I actually blocked it out mentally until I was 12. So it was almost like it didn't even happen. Um, And I was at home one day and all of a sudden something triggered the memories and they came back and I didn't even know if it was real to be honest with you. But um, I talked to my parents and we confronted him and he admitted his guilt. And um, yeah, so that was a long time ago for sure. Yeah, well, it was a long time ago, but I'm sure it's never too far uh, from your mind. Obviously, one doesn't go through something like that without it having a, a lasting impact on on your life. Now, as you say, you told your you you went to your parents and you told your parents what had happened to you, and and your abuser was it was older than you, what, 18, 19 years of age? Yeah. He was roughly okay. that age. Yeah. yeah, 18, 19 years of age. You were nine years of age. You told your parents who told the police. First off, you told your parents they believed you. Uh, then you told the police. What happened there? So what happened at that point in, is that the police told me that it would probably be best not to press charges uh, because they thought it would save me from an embarrassing trial being teased by the other kids in the neighborhood. And, you know that was back in uh, 1982 right so the world was a different place Um, people weren't so understanding and caring so what happened when that message was sent to me what I heard was bury it don't talk about it and just move on with your life well, and and to and here's the thing, Neil, and, and we know this even to this day that um, only a small number of sexual assaults are actually ever reported um, for fear of uh, you know probably a number of things, including the things that you were told that you know that you might be stigmatized, that you know uh, you would be made fun of, whatever it was, and and that's just a real shame that that's still happening. It's getting yeah, better, it, but it's still happening. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it, it's, it has come a long way, but it's still something that isn't comfortable for people to talk about. And, you know, for the people that it happens to, there's so much shame connected with, you know, the acts that are, you know, taken on them that, that you just don't want to talk about it. You know, you don't, you're so embarrassed. I know for myself, um, for many, many years, I, I beat, I hated myself. 
because I said, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't do anything, you didn't fight back, and you know, there's, there's the fight, flight, or freeze response when we we're faced with you know trauma yep. situations, and I froze, and I, I beat myself up mentally for 30 years because of that, saying I didn't do anything, and, and mm-hmm. it was it was very hard to process in my mind at that point in my life that it's okay that my response was a response that a lot of people have. So that took a lot of years of, of, you know, counseling and getting the proper help and just getting myself rewired on how to think about myself and love myself and take care of myself. Neil Campbell joining us this afternoon. He is a sexual assault survivor, um, assaulted when he was nine years of age over the course of a year by a friend's older brother. In, in the intro, I was telling you about some of the reporting that's been done on this trial um, and some of Matthew McKnight's victims and uh, some of them telling court that they had nightmares, thoughts of suicide and anxiety since all of this happened. Um, that sounds very familiar to you, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, I'm uh, absolutely in tune with those feelings. Um, you know, I had nightmares. Uh, I had attempted suicide a couple of times. Um, I abused alcohol for many years. And it is just a horrible, dark place. Um, once you are taken into that world, it's horrible. And uh, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. You're, what, 49 years of age now. Uh, You're married with kids. Things um, turned around for you when you decided to start speaking and and getting some help. We know that for a lot of people, they're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to say anything, Uh, maybe not even knowing where to look for help. What was it for you, Neil, that finally pushed you to... um, to to say I need to be better well I as you said I'm married I have two daughters and at that point they were younger and I was I had a choice I was either going to try and kill myself or I was going to get help and I didn't want to hurt my children and leave them without a father so I said I have to try something and that's when I found out about the sexual assault center of Edmonton and I walked through their doors it was terrifying for sure but I I credit them for saving my life. I want to find out how uh, the Sexual Assault Centre of Edmonton helped save your life. We're waiting to hear this afternoon the sentencing for Matthew McKnight, that former Edmonton nightclub employee accused of sexually assaulting 13 women, convicted of sexually assaulting five women. Our guest this half hour is a sex assault survivor, Neil Campbell, sharing his story this afternoon. And Neil, thanks again for taking the time and for being willing to to share your story. You have found um, over the past couple of years that using your voice and 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 telling people what happened sharing your story has been helpful to you on top of that why did you feel the need to start speaking out well you know i'm not proud to say this but i was mad um the me too movement came out which was great it was getting more visibility and bringing awareness to the people that have been sexually abused, but I didn't hear much about men. And that prompted me to just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit in front of this computer, I'm going to type out my story, and I'm going to send it to everybody that I can, CBC, any news or radio station in Edmonton, and 
luckily a, a reporter picked it up and put it on the website and things just went from there um and to your comment earlier before is that people carry a lot of shame and they don't want to talk about it because they don't want mm -hmm. to be stigmatized and they don't want to be looked at differently but what i would like to say is that if you take the chance a leap of faith and come out and start talking you will be surrounded by love empathy understanding and support it's the complete opposite of what i thought i would be met with i thought i'd be met with oh this guy's a pervert i didn't want people to know either because i thought well you know what um this guy was raped when he was a child so he's going to grow up to be a rapist mm. um, it's a very very difficult mental state to be and i was afraid to have children at one point because i thought i might turn into a pedophile Mm. These are the things that happen to a person that goes through sexual assault. Your cognitive thinking is just so turned off, upside down that it's hard to comprehend for somebody that hasn't gone through it. So Neil, how did you how did you learn that this was just you know a part of the process that these feelings that you were were feeling were um, just you know were you know kind of part and parcel for lack of a better term of, of of this horrific event that you experienced was it through counseling at the sexual assault center of edmonton that that they said to you okay this is these these thoughts are normal yeah absolutely i think the two well i know for sure the two biggest things that turned me around in the fact that my thinking is that i read theo flurry's book playing with fire um mm -hmm. because in his book he's very very um, clear in his in his writing as to how his mind was affected as well and when I read that book I was like holy smoke like I'm not crazy because for many years I thought I was crazy so mm -hmm. when I read that I felt like I wasn't alone and then I went to the sexual assault center of Edmonton and I did one-on-one -on -one counseling and then I went into a men's group which was terrifying but warming at the same time it's hard to explain to anybody that hasn't been through it uh, especially a male um, you know you walk mm -hmm. into this room with four or five other strangers and you're all there for the same reason um, I was almost relieved which is hard to understand because I looked at them and I go I'm not alone there's other people out there like me other males that need help and it was an incredible experience you know, you talk about um, if feeling alone and feeling that there's no one out there. And I know, um, you know, the, you know, female sexual assault uh, survivors feel that way. We know that um, men obviously do get uh, sexually assaulted, but it doesn't happen as often, according to the statistics. Um, regardless, I mean, I think there are there are a number of of similarities about you know what you're feeling and how to move forward once you started to see a light at the end of the tunnel neil what was that like for you when you started to say okay i can i can get through this i've been holding on to this for a long long time but i know that i'm going to be better i know that um i can put this um you know in the past what did that start to feel like oh that was, that was pretty incredible i'm getting goosebumps talking about it because for most of my life, I thought that the assaults defined who I was. That was all I was. I was just this body that was used for terrible acts and then taken out of the shed that I was raped in and told to go live a normal life. So when I started seeing the light and realizing, you know, through the cognitive therapy and understanding that this has affected my mind, it brought me some calmness 
that uh, the anxiety level went down. I wasn't always worried, um, and it felt incredible. I told a friend the other day uh, that, you know, when this started happening, things started turning around. It was like, I can breathe now. Um, I'm not always on pins and needles. I, I'm, I'm learning to see what life is about. It's, it's like, wow. And, and the big thing is that I used to hate myself so much, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm actually saying, you know what? I'm actually not a bad guy. So um, finding <laughs> that self-forgiveness and self-love, it feels incredible. It's like, a to- it's honestly, Jaylen, it's like a totally different world for me now. Well, Neil, a mutual friend of ours uh, told me last night that you're one of the greatest uh, fellows that he knows and said, he said, Neil the Wheel is one of the best guys that he knows uh, out there. And <laughs> um, you know who I'm talking about. Um, when when someone is asking, you know, that process of moving forward, does that include forgiveness? We always hear oftentimes about forgiveness. That you need to forgive in order to move on. And I think for some people, it's like, how the hell can you ever forgive something like that? Was was forgiveness a part of this for you? Um, I don't think that's been part of my journey yet. Um, okay. My my goal was to take care of myself first. And I didn't yeah. know what that looked like. If forgiveness is part of it, that's okay. Um, if it's not, that's okay too. Um, one of the biggest things that I remember hearing that through all my counseling sessions, anywhere I went, is that each one of us survivors has a different journey. And yep. what works for me may not work for you, but my goal is just let people know that there is help. And you know what? Once you get your mind right and for me, you know, I used to hate myself, like I said, because I didn't do anything. One of the things that they, we talked about in my counseling is that, Neil, he was 18 or 19, you were nine years old. What physically could you have done? I was a small yeah. kid, like I was small for my size. So that's just a simple thing that somebody else might think like, but I didn't think that way. You know, I, I said I should have done something, but that just goes to show how your mind gets twisted around and it just has to get realigned. And thinking, Neil, no. I, I'm I'm curious to know about how how this impacted your relationships as you were growing up, and and then, you know, and into your marriage, and then once you decided to get help, how it changed those relationships again. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, there was a, my my relationships when I was younger with girls was was, was not good. Um, I was I was very promiscuous, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that survivors act out they that's what they want to do um so when i got past that and i'm very very lucky and blessed that i've known my wife since grade nine so <laughs> she actually knew my story and she was one of my closest friends so uh with her by my side she stuck by me there's been some definite hurdles to overcome but yeah. you know she saw something in me that i didn't see in myself and you know when i went public the support I got from other people was just incredible. So, um, yeah, the journey was, it was tough for sure. There was some really dark times, but I got through it and I know that other people can get through it as well. Um, a text just came in this afternoon, Neil, from one of my great listeners named Mark, and he says, you know, as a father, um, you know, the thought of uh, one of my children being sexually abused is one of my greatest fears. Please let Neil know that by speaking out about his abuse, he is saving lives. You are a hero. That is from Mark this afternoon. <laughs> it must be something to 
have this change in your mindset of being so afraid to ever talk about it or, or use your voice to now hearing something like that because you are using your voice? Yeah, I'm a pretty humble guy, so um, you know I'm, I'm flattered for sure. Um, you know, I just want to help. I don't want people to go through what I went through. I want to try and be that person that I wish was there for me. Um, and like I said, when I went public in 2017, I said I would talk to anybody and I would take any opportunity to speak publicly about it. Uh, I kind of chuckled to myself because I was quiet for 30 years. Now you can't get me to shut up about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Uh, before I let you go, Neil, and again, I want to thank you so much for being willing to, to share your story this afternoon. Um, if there's someone out there listening right now, male, female, 15 or 55, I don't care, who who maybe hasn't spoken up or still dealing with something that they have dealt, you know, something that they have, you know, been living with for so many years, what do you want them to know? I want them to know that they're not alone and if they find the courage to speak up they will be surrounded by understanding love empathy there will be the odd person that may not understand it or is uncomfortable with it but they don't matter Um, what matters is that you are valuable you are worthy and I would say you know what if you don't want to walk into the sexual assault center of Edmonton you know what they've got a toll-free line pick up the Mm -hmm. phone have a conversation it can start right there. It's never too late they, to get help, and you're not alone. And they do such great work there, don't they? Tough work, but su- such important work. Incredible people. Incredible people. Neil Campbell joining me this afternoon. Neil, thank you for this. Thank you for having me on, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Neil Campbell, joining me this afternoon. Sexual assault survivor. Uh, what a story. And strength, and everyone handles things a different way, right? But you know, and you 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 find your your light if you're lucky enough at the end of the tunnel. You find your light, and for Neil, that was at the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. They do such great work there, and as he mentioned, there is there is a phone line you can call as well. As we go to break, I want to let you know this that the judge in the Matthew McKnight case. Uh, handed down an initial sentence of 16 and a half years, but then moved it down to 10 years. Um, and it could go lower because of the assault he suffered at the Edmonton Remand Center. Apparently, chaos has now ensued in the courtroom. Oh, it's been reduced down now to eight years, his sentence to eight years. One woman yelled out, are you crazy? Get me out of here. And the judge has now left the courtroom.